0: follow you, and I pray, God, that you would help us in the very real situations that we're facing today. I pray that today is so practical and applicable, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. I am the teacher. Good morning to you. All right. I'm just saying. Come on. All right. Hey, um, I need you to run a clear on that, and I'm going to come back. Oh, fiddle. Um, I broke it. Yay. Uh, we're trying something a little too cool for us today, so please be patient with us. But I wanted to give everyone a chance to uh, get in. So if you want to get in on this online, you can do it too. You don't have to be here. Just uh, text ordinary faith seven eight seven ordinary faith seven eight seven one word to two two three three three. If you have like a signature on your text, you might want to take that off before you send it. Okay, uh, like you know you're a stinker, then it'll pop up on my screen. And the only way I can control the screen is to delete everything. So I'm trying not to do that. So what we're about to ask a question. Here's how this works. Uh, I'm going to ask you to respond, send a text into 22333 after you have already sent in the word ordinary faith 787 to that number, 22333, three 22, threes, got it? Ordinary faith 787, it's like an airplane, but bigger. No, I'm just kidding, that's not true. Anyway, uh, but it, there, uh, as we do this, if you see a word on the screen you like, if you'll text it in again, the word will get bigger, okay? Now, please don't send anything uncool in, all right? And you know what something is that's uncool? Whatever I say it is. I know that's arbitrary, but don't do that, okay? All right. How are we doing, uh, John? Nothing in yet. Okay, good deal, good deal. We'll, uh, we'll get there. We're coming, we're coming, we're coming. So here's what I want you to text in once you're in. So I'm going to give you a minute to think about it. I'm going to talk about some stuff to distract you while you're thinking about it. You're like, that'll be challenging. I know, I think you're smart, though, so I think we can do this. So what the question I want you to answer in 1 to 3 words. The question I want you to answer in 1 to 3 words. How many words did I say? 1 to 3. 1 to 3 class. Good job. Way to go. Is I would never blink. I would never do this to someone that I respected. Never do this to someone that I respected. All right? That's the question. This is the screen that hopefully will come up. And oh, perfect. People are already in the game. All right? Let me get in here with you guys. I've always wanted to text in church while I was speaking. So awesome. I'm going to put in a word. Oh, there we go. Look, it's filling up. That's good. Now, while you guys are doing that, we're going to take a few minutes, and you can look at that. It's Ordinary face 787, Ordinary face 787 to 22333. All right, look, we're doing great. All right. Okay, we'll come back to this. You guys keep doing that. I'm going to let it fill up. John, you're watching me. If anybody does anything crazy, find out who it is so we can go slap them. <laughs> All right, we're, the screen's up there. I'm going to leave it up for a minute while I talk to you for a minute. Can you listen and text at the same time? No, you can actually, but let's do it anyway. All right? Respect. Respect. What if, and this is the big question you have to answer for yourself today. What if respect isn't earned? What if respect isn't earned? Now, what we're answering up here are things that we would never do to someone that we respected. But I want to ask the question, what if respect isn't earned? Please don't text that in. What if that's a lie propagated by the guy who stole the world? What do I mean? Well, Satan, the accuser. Stole the world, got the keys to the kingdom when he lied to Eve and then to Adam. And so he ended up with the keys to this earthly kingdom in a way, and he began to create the world he wanted through people. And in that system, everything is earned. And respect is one of those things we talk about all the time. You have to earn my respect. Those are the kind of things that we think. What I'm suggesting is what if that's not true? What if it's not true that respect is earned? What if it's true that respect is actually given? What if you live in a system where the accuser is the one who set up the system that you're in? Okay? So that's a big what if. Now, let's come back to our screen here. We got a few answers here. You would never do some things that you respect to a person. You do these things that a person to a person that you respected. I, I do know words. Sometimes they come out. All right? So, uh, I would never do what? Never slap somebody. Okay, my number is 307-224-4404. Call me, all right? We need to talk, all right? Um, Because I know how you feel. (laughs) Anyway, never lie. I've heard that one plenty of times before. I mean, if you see one of these that you really like, you can send it in again and it'll get bigger. Uh, so disrespect I would never just disrespect never uh, intentionally st- steal, cheat uh, disrespect feelings I would listen, okay I put on their yell, that's mine I don't, I don't like when people yell at me and so it makes me cry and I hate crying in front of people and you're like oh you're so sad no I don't cry because I'm sad I am cry because I want to kill you and so <clears throat> that uh, runs in my family I made him cry. I won. No, you made him cry. You're about to die, actually. So, Anyone else like that? Oh, poll is full. I guess I'm done. I'm sorry. I guess i got limitations on this thing. We're testing this out today. Thanks for helping me test this out. I want you to remember some of these things, because we're going to come back to them. Some things that you do not do to people that you respect. Some things that you do not do to people that you respect. You got that? So let's move right along and let's talk about respect a little bit, okay? Uh, The Bible says this in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and and we all, we all, say all, all. We all fall short. We all fall short. You see, the enemy set up a system in which no one can win. A system of earning things. Where you earn respect, you earn the life you have, you earn, 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 you're always earning. But here's the problem we all fall short. There's no way in the enemy system to win. And a lot of times we buy into his system and think because that's the way we were raised. That's the world we grew up in. We've received some rewards because we have tried to earn it. People patted us on the back because we've worked hard and we made them happy. And all it really did was reinforce a lie of a world that God never intended. How much of the Garden of Eden did Adam and Eve earn? None of it. It was a gift. And so when we come to the ideas of respect, we got to change world systems. We have to move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the world you've been saved into. We have, We have to, we have to, especially now, at this point in history, we have to understand that the ways of the kingdom are different from the ways of a broken and shattered and harsh world. And if we don't start thinking differently, if the church doesn't start thinking differently, how's the world ever going to be changed? How can the church change a community if if the message of the church is the exact same message as hell's? Earn it, earn it, earn it, earn it. Just try harder. You're not trying hard enough. Try again. What the heck? Where did that come from? So when we come to this issue of respect, what if God's idea is that things are given, not earned? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he thank you. He gave. God is a giver. The whole point of the gospel is not to make you you like, it's to make you God like. And if God is a giver, then we're givers. That's, that's what it means to be like God. Does, does that make sense? Just give me a nod, or, or that's cool, or man, that's hip. Go, go deep into your 70s hip hop jive. <laughs> Thank you, Becky. <laughs> what if we can give respect to people that we disagree with, to people who aren't like us, yeah. to people we don't like? people that we don't like the things they do and the things they stand for what if we can respect them anyway what if we can give respect without them having to earn it that's the beginning of this today jesus said in matthew five i'm using the king james he says i say to you love your enemies Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Is there anyone in your life that you can't stand right now that that verse doesn't apply to? Is there anyone influencing your life from far, far outside of it that that verse doesn't apply to? Bless those who curse you. So, how do we do that? How do you transform a community? with giving things versus taking things, giving versus expecting things to be earned. That's what we're talking about today and we are going to have so much fun because we're going to start at the root of the problem. Are you excited? No, you're not. But it's okay. You don't trust me that much and I get it. I wouldn't either cuz I've done naughty things up here sometimes, you know, and But we're going to start at home. And I'm going to look at a passage of scripture that probably makes some of you cringe. But I promise you, when I'm done with it, you're going to have a better insight on it than you have ever, ever had before. Okay? Now, I'm not going to say you understand it completely, because I'm not sure I do. But I want us to begin with where respect needs to begin. And respect needs to begin in the home. Now, the passage that I'm about to tackle, I want you to understand something very, very, very... Did I say very? Yeah. Clearly. The passage I'm about to walk into, in no way is Paul making anyone in the home less than. This you must understand. There are no less thans in the kingdom. No one is less than. So when I dive into this passage, as we study it a little bit together, and we look at what respect looks like in a home, I want you to be patient with me. But I also want you to understand that if your idea of home life is that someone has to assume less than, you're wrong. Don't mean to be offensive, but you're wrong. So, Michael, how do you know you're right? Let me read it to you. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28, this is Paul. Paul says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. That's an amazing statement that I don't have time to dig into. I would love to. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female. You're all one. Say one. One. In Christ. I want you to see how men and women are on the same level before God. There's no less than. There's equal to, but there's no less than. And look at what Peter says to men. He says, your wife is your equal. Say Equal. By the way, I didn't write this stuff. I am not old enough to have written the Bible. I feel it, but I'm not. I'm just old enough to rant about it, so that's what I'm going to do. She's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So many problems in marriages and in the home are caused by the less than. My husband or my wife, it can go either way, is more than me. They're more important than me. What they think is more valuable than what I think. I am less than, the, less than them, and that is not true. That is not taught in the Word of God. Okay? So, that being said, you probably know exactly where I'm going. Before I get there, one more thing, though. God put a husband and a wife and children Into a home, all as powerful people. They're all powerful. And that's what this whole series is actually about, is how to act like powerful people instead of people at the mercy of a world gone crazy. Okay? So let's look at what some powerful people happen. So Ephesians 5.21. I love this because this verse is the one that gets skipped in the verses I'm about to read. (laughs) This is the one no one looks at. And what this verse is, is a bridge verse. It's a verse that connects one paragraph to the next paragraph. The paragraph before this, Paul's writing to the church. He says, this is how you guys should act toward each other. And he's saying that based on a whole bunch of amazing theology in chapters 1 and 2, and 3, and 4. I'm sorry, I forgot it was in chapter 5. A lot of theology that he lays that basis on. And he's about to bridge how the church should act toward each other to how the family should act toward each other. And he puts this bridge statement in that applies in both paragraphs. It concludes one paragraph and it starts the next. Does that make sense? And so here's the line. It says, further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we are supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now submission here is a a powerful word and it's not anything like how we assume submission is in the English language. So I'm gonna use the word respect some, but before I get there, let me show you the next verse. Further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now here's the verse all the ladies love. And I'm, I'm using the NLT on purpose. What was the verse I just said? Submit to one another? That was not a gender specific command. That was everybody submits to everybody. Then he goes on to say, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, pause. The word submit that you see there in verse 22 is not there. This is why it's so important that you read verse 21. Because verse 21 is where the word submit is, and they're using it for clarity again in verse 22. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that everything that's about to be said in this next paragraph is based solidly on verse 21. Submit to one another. Because without that verse, what Paul actually wrote would make no sense. Because it would just say, wives to your husbands to the Lord. That's all it would say. And everyone would be confused. You have to have the mutual submission to begin this chapter. Does that make sense? You with me? Are you nervous? Don't be. Don't be. It's, it's fine. Verse 33, Paul uses the word, wives, you must respect her husband. Funny thing. Can I just, this is funny to me. The word he uses there for respect is uh, the word that we get our word phobia from. <laughs> it could mean wives put fear in your husbands i mean it's what i'm saying and a lot of you ladies are nailing that one so congratulations i'm just kidding respect is the right interpretation but it if you took it literally you could actually go that way so what is the passage saying what is he telling us to do he says hey you you guys have to submit to each other there's a mutual submissions nobody's on their own nobody's in this by themselves And then he turns to the home, and this is very important because if we're ever going to have respect in our world, it has to start at home. The 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 cleverness and the deception of the enemy was the destruction of the home. He knew when he destroyed the home, everything else would become corrupted and contaminated out from that out into society. And so, if we're ever to have respect again, we have to start back in our own homes and so here's what paul says okay i want everyone to submit to each other for wives this is what it looks like for you and what does it look like for wives well it looks like the relationship of the church to jesus it looks like the relationship of the church to jesus what does that mean the church is tied to jesus The church is dependent upon Jesus in many ways. The church's identity is wrapped up in who Jesus is. The church's future is tied in with Jesus' future. That is how the church is tied to Jesus. That's how the relationship works. So how I look at this passage, one, I look at this relationship of the church to Jesus. So what should submission look like? If you're terrified of that word, it should look like the church's relationship to jesus the church's pursuit of jesus the church's connection to jesus another thing i want to bring out of this text and i bring out for both men and women is this that god intends your marriage to say something That's right. well something good not 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 <laughs> not what the neighbors are hearing right now you ever heard that joke you know when they're dating, he talks and she listens. When they're engaged, she talks and he listens. And once they get married, they both talk and the neighbors listen. <laughs> I said, Michael, that's awful. I know, I know, I know it. So what I see in this, and something that every wife would want to uh, grab a hold of right now, is how can how can I bring respect into my home? Because that's what submission's really about. It's about respect. So how can I be, bring respect into my marriage as a wife? That's the question that Paul's addressing. How can I do that? You see, you were most likely brought up in a home where two people were married to each other and were disrespecting each other all the time. And in that disrespect, you thought and assumed and began your life thinking, well, that's just how it is. For a child of God, that's just how it is is not a good answer. When all things are possible with God, then that's just how it is, is not a good answer. And so, what can that begin to look like? And how can you fill your home with respect? Okay? And so, this is what, or with this, this the proper, healthy idea of, of submission. So, here's what I, this is how I'm going to put it to you. I want to make this practical. I think a wife has an amazing power in her home, in her marriage with her husband I believe she has the power to prophesy I know that word scares some people but anytime you start talking about the future you're technically prophesying how many of you have been prophesied over you'll never be anything you're never going to get that done you'll never succeed it's going to fail that's all prophetic all of it so as a wife what if your concern was not whether or not your husband would succeed or fail, but what if your concern was that you were going to build him as much as you could? Yes. What if your idea was this? Every time he wins, we win. That's right. yeah. When he wins, we win. When he succeeds, we succeed. We're in this together. And so, I I, I tell you what, I don't know what I would do without the support of my wife. I would have quit many times ago, everything I ever started, without my wife there to say, to call out a prophetic word. That's not what we called them then. She was just being encouraging. But seriously, if you're talking about the future, you're prophesying something, and you're either prophesying faith or fear. There's no in-between. And so... You remember earlier when we put some of those things that you don't do to someone that you respect? This is where we have to look inside, ladies, and ask ourselves, am I doing those things to my husband? Because if respect is going to happen in this church and in this community, it starts in your house. Guess who has zero control over your house? This guy. All I can do is give you the truth. Now, ladies, are you ready for me to be done with you? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Me too, because I'm scared of y'all, to be honest with you. Y'all have definitely put the fear of women in me. So... Now here, I want you to see that verse 22 said, for wives this means, and the new living captures it for the men. It says in verse 25, for the husband this means. All connected back to verse 21. So those guys out there that are telling women, you have to submit to your husbands, they're not, they not giving you the full message, okay? There's a mutual submission And that submission looks like some things. And in the home for the wife, it looks like respecting, supporting, encouraging, and building her husband. And for the men, it looks like something as well. So guys, Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. I want you to see. That the, church, the wife's relationship to her husband is supposed to mirror the church's relationship with Jesus. And the husband's relationship to the wife is supposed to mirror Jesus' relationship to the church. Your, church. your marriage says something. And here's what it's saying. This is how Jesus loves the church. This is how the church respects Jesus. This is how Jesus loves the church. This is how the church respects Jesus. Your marriage is a gospel presentation 24-7-365 to your kids, to your neighbors, to all those around you. So, amen. <clears throat> so, I'll be honest with you, I, and it's because I am not a woman, at least not the last time I checked, I'm not a woman. <laughs> I know that changes nowadays, and uh, I hope I don't get surprised by that, but I'm just messing around, don't get mad, I'm just messing around. I, uh, to me, this, because I guess I'm a husband, to me this is the most terrifying passage ever. I remember telling guys, I don't do this anymore because I've gotten a tad more wisdom, not much, but a tad more. I used to tell guys that when I was counseling about marriage, they were getting to get ready to be married. I'd say, when you find out what God has for you to do, you're not going to want to do it. <sighs> Loving your wife as Jesus loves the church? Seriously? I mean, really? That's how can That's not possible. I think that's why you need the Holy Spirit to do it. And so here I see that, in uh, verse 33, I didn't read it, it said, So again, each man lo- must love his wife as he loves himself. So I, I want us, if homes are going to be filled with respect, then men, you are going to bring it into your relationship as well. It's not just about her respecting you. If you think that's all there is to it, that's, that's not even half the equation. There's about you loving her. What does that mean? Man, that means a lot of things practically. Let's go back to that prophesy thing. What do you prophesy? What future are you declaring over her life? How how are you building her up? You know, men, we're kind of insecure sometimes. Maybe not you, this guy is. Sometimes we're insecure. And sometimes when our wife is better at something than we are, you know what we do? We stonewall. What is stonewalling? It means we, we get over here, we don't say anything about it, we don't recognize it, we don't notice it because we're insecure. We hide off and pout in our little inner corner. And so what if you, as a husband, said, I love my wife, I want her to succeed, I want her to win, because when she wins, we win. When she succeeds, we succeed. And so I would say, why support your husbands? Men, champion your wives. Champion your wives. Yeah. Raise them up. Build them up. Say a future over them that is faith and not fear. That is joy and not terror. That is building and not tearing down. This is what respect looks like in the home. It's two people building each other who know that when he wins, she wins. And when she wins, he wins. And no matter who wins, we win. We have to think win win. And that's the problem in our world. The devil is the one who invented win lose. That's right. He's the one who invented win lose. And if that's how your marriage is right now, well, I'll let her win this time, but I'll, I'll win next time, or I'll let him win. That is an unhealthy, codependent relationship, and it needs fixed and can be fixed with a heavenly kingdom view on things. So, men, champion your wife. Listen to her. And to both of you, let me say this. I am not saying lie to each other. Remember that banner we had up there and lying was on there? You don't lie to people that you respect. I'm not saying that when something is hitting you wrong or hurting you or you're experiencing your partner in a negative way, I'm not saying that your job is to shut up and respect them. That's not respectful because that's lying. Do you understand? We need to understand what respect is. Respect is not you keeping your mouth shut. There's a whole generation who thought that when I was young. Respect is truth-telling as well especially the truth about you. Yeah, it is disrespectful for me to tell you the truth about you, but it's not disrespectful for me to tell you the truth about me. Same in your relationships. Does that make, does that make sense? That, it's a little hard. Okay. All right. So, Peter writes this. You know what? I'm I'm running out of time. Let me jump ahead. Mom, dad, we got you guys. You guys feel pretty good now? Feel good? Support her, champ. I mean, support him, champion her. You got it? He wins, we win, she wins, we win. What about kids? What about kids? See, Scripture leaves nothing untouched and no stone unturned. So Paul goes on in chapter 6, which is just a few verses after chapter 5, and he comes down and he says to you, Fathers. Now when he says fathers, he's not just addressing fathers. However, you should know that men have a bigger problem with what he's about to say than women do. But he's addressing the parents. And that's how you should really wrap your head around it. He's addressing both of them. But he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. And I just want to say that I am very good at provoking my children to anger by the way I treat them. I have skills. I can annoy Cayman so fast. It's it's, it's amazing. And I just want to say, I can't really, I shouldn't, but I'm going to, that Steve is as good as I am at least at annoying his children. So there is a part of this that you're going, oh yeah, that's totally a dad thing. Fathers, don't annoy your kids. Don't provoke your children by, to anger by the way you treat them. Now listen to that, this last part of the verse. And man, Christians, America, who, everyone needs to hear this. Don't provoke them to anger. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction. Say Instruction. Instruction. Wow. Wow. Who's this written to? Parents. Say parents. Parents. We have a lot of amazing educators in this room. Their job is to educate. Their job is not to instruct your children on how to be good people. That's right. Okay? You, they should know that before they get there. That's right. <laughs> I, uh, I've been a parent a while. Uh, as long as I can remember, almost. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't remember much before 1987. Anyway, um, I've seen a lot of parents spend a lot of time very frustrated with their kids. And maybe that's you. And there is actually, it's not a 100% solution, but there is a way to greatly improve how happy you are with your kids. And here's what it is. Give them some instruction. Give them some instruction. Um, This applies everywhere. I mean, yes, when you come to church, you know one of the greatest things you can do to take pressure off a Sunday morning when you're trying to get your kids to church is to start Saturday telling them what's going to happen and telling them how to behave when they get there. Will it make them perfect when they get here? Probably not. Won't make them perfect. It'll help. It will help. And it will obey Paul's teaching that says, hey, instruct them and discipline. Now, when most people hear the word discipline, they think punishment. And that's not discipline. Discipline and punishment are different things. We live in a world that's just like, let's punish someone that's not me. <laughs> and that's kind of how people get with their kids. Oh, you messed up. You're going to get punished. And sometimes I want to look at the parents and say, dude, did you give them any instru- instructions? Maybe you need to be punished. Yeah. <laughs> I'm meddling now. I'm actually meddling. <laughs> what am I trying to say, man? Discipline is about your success. Discipline is about victory. We have a lot of athletes that come to Ordinary Faith playing basketball, uh, golf, football, all these teams. And they undergo discipline, not because they're being punished, but because they want to be champions. That's what parenting is. It's making champions. And that's what discipline's about. It's not about having good sets of rules so you know when to punish them. Discipline is about making champions out of people who don't know anything yet. One more rant, and then I'll move on. Okay, this really is a rant, and you may lose respect from here, but it's okay. I, you have to give it to me. I can't earn it anyway. <laughs> I'm getting into trouble, but I don't care, actually. Uh, if the next parent that comes to me and says to me things like this, Listen, we don't want to bring our kids to church yet because we want them to decide on their own. Someone needs to take my hands at that moment because I don't know how a two-year-old is supposed to decide what their faith should be when they know nothing. So I'm saying that, and I am meddling, uh, but what I want you to know is this. If your children are even going to reject their faith intelligently someone has to teach it to them and if it's not going to be you who will and if your faith isn't okay one more time if your faith isn't worthy enough to teach your kids why do you have it all right i'm done meddling i really want today to be encouraging but uh, when it comes to children we have eight of them Uh, they're all boys I sometimes get a little passionate about what parenting is, okay? And I love you, and I please know this. I didn't say any of that to insult you, to awaken you, yes, but not to insult you. Because here's how it is in the kingdom and with the gospel. We have real problems, and the truth sets us free. The truth awakens us to our condemnation and then frees us from the punishment of it. And so you can take what I just said, take it however you want to, but know this. The reason I shared it was to give you a new perspective and to give you a hope at freedom. By the way, as a parent, I think you should enjoy your kids. And a lot of parents aren't today. And so if you gave them a little instruction, it would go a long way. Okay? Thank you for a little bit of grace and mercy there. I appreciate it. So I believe that if we were to bring respect back to the home, they would lay a foundation to bring respect into other places. The first place that other place outside of the home that needs to be filled with respect is the ecclesia, the church. As we work on the idea of ecclesia and the church over the next coming months, we're going to talk about how it's a ruling council in a city. But it is beyond my scope today, but I do want to seed that idea that's out there. You see, Paul writes in Romans, he says, listen, you've got to love each other. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Giving each other honor and respect. Paul wanted the church, and this is how he saw the church being powerful, is not just having strong, respectful homes, but also taking that same respect into the ecclesia, into the assembly, into the church, and respecting other people with it, and giving them respect. Whether they earned it or not is irrelevant. It's not about them. Respect is about you. And it's about giving people something. So I can give people respect. I can honor them. I can lift them up. Because when they win, we win. When he wins, she wins. When she wins, he wins. When the kids win, we all win. When they win, we win. And so we need to learn to respect and honor each other. We also have leaders in the church. This is a very unpopular idea in America. As crazy as that may sound. The idea that someone at church might have any kind of authority uh, to tell you or encourage you to do something seems to be anathema, something that people don't want to deal with. But Paul writes this in Thessalonians. He says, Brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. So I want you to see that that respect toward leaders in the church isn't just about Steve and I, Steve and me, whatever the right grammar is, and one of the English teachers can fix me later. I'm a project. Just know that. (laughs) Actually, if you are a grammar Nazi, you know I'm a project. So um, I'm talking about the fact that in the body of Christ, cream floats to the top. There are people who rise to places of influential leadership that don't have titles, but they love and they serve and they sacrifice. And church is filled with these leaders and they're to be respected and honored. And it's something that we can give to them. And one of the things we could do is work with them. Most of those, every leader I know has a calling on their life for something. They know what they're supposed to do. And here's what respect does. Respect knows what, finds out what people are doing, what God's leading them to do, and it helps them do it. It supports them. In my 26 years of pastoring, if I had a nickel for every time someone told me how to do my job, I'd have a lot of nickels. I'd have a lot of nickels. Uh, and here's how it usually goes now this is me i'm just talking about there are a lot of other leaders but this is just me this is how it usually goes do you guys know what you should be doing i had no idea what we're supposed to be doing i mean i pray to god about this like every day of the week and ask god for his wisdom and study the scriptures and i have no clue i am so glad god sent you that's what i think inside and i know what you're thinking michael that's not very respectful And that's why I don't say it out loud. (sighs) What I do say out loud is like, you know what? That's a great idea. We'll need a leader for it. So why don't you do that? And I never see him again. (laughs) No problem. I'm being a little bit ornery. What I'm saying is submission, respect. It's about supporting and building. Does that make sense? The rest of the world is about tearing down and making someone lower than you so you'll feel bigger. The kingdom is about bowing lower and serving so that they feel bigger. Does that make sense? Flips it on its head. And then God says, the one who serves, that's the one who leads. And if you think about it, you go find a servant. And you look at them and you begin to look at the life that surrounds them. And you will notice that people are following their lead. It's a very, very powerful concept. So in the church, there should be respect as well. And the, you know there should be working with and building up of leaders. We have to remember that when you win, I win. When they win, we win. And uh, then lastly, and this is the reason I'm doing this message, because I need it. I don't know how you're doing with the events in the world right now, but I'm ticked. I'm sorry. I'd love to tell you that I'm at peace, but I'm mad. Uh, I'm mad at a lot of things and so forth. I've been. You're like Michael. You need to see someone about that. I do. I do. I've been going to the gun range. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my 200-yard shot is nice. Uh, anyway, so no, I'm just. I'm obviously just kidding. But here's this of the verses that I struggle with, and so I need to help you with this. Because I I don't see any way things are going to get better without a miracle from God. Which I'm praying for and we should all be praying for. 1 Peter 2.17, Peter writes, respect everyone. Now this is Peter who's not far from getting killed by some, some of these everyones. And he says, respect everyone and love the family of believers. And fear God and respect the king. So let me make a few clarifications so you don't get this wrong. Respect is not one, it's not agreement. Respect is not agreement. I do not have to agree with you to respect you. This is very important. I can give you respect, I can build you up, I can honor you, but I don't have to agree with you. In fact, part of being respectful is telling you the truth. And so I might want to put myself in harm's way to tell you the truth out of respect about things that are happening. So I don't want you to think that the Bible has cowardice in it. It does not. It has a courage in it that's willing to suffer consequences. Yeah. And that's what we need to remember. And so here I see that we're supposed to give honor. We're supposed to respect the leaders in our communities. And, but we can do that. And we just have to remember, just because I respect someone does not mean that I agree with them. This is very important. Because there are a lot of folks I respect that I don't agree with politically. I don't agree with their view on race or gender or any other thing, or many other things. But I still respect them and love them because I base my respect not on the world in which I live, but on the world from which I come. I'm not from here. I live in a different, I live from rules and of a different citizenship. And in where I come from, we give people respect whether they've earned it or not. Does that make sense? So respect is not agreement. Respect is also not compliance. Right. This is very important to understand in this in the world in which we live. Uh, there are things in life, freedoms, that will be taken from you, and you will not have choices. It's happened to Christians for millennia, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Right. But just because that things happen to us and we're faced with non-decisions does not give us. The um, freedom, the uh, right to be disrespectful. Again, if I disrespect you, I would lie to you. So I, truth is very important to all these kind of things. Also, I, you know, a little bit, just a tad more meddling. I know we've gone through this, this season in life, and there's these, the mandates and all these things that are happening, and things that I personally never thought I'd see happen in our country. I don't care how you feel about them. Here's what I know. I know that some people felt like they had no choice, and so they took an action. And I'm not going to judge them for doing that. I'm not going to step in. That's none of my business. Because I don't know the consequences they were facing. Does that make sense? So I'm going to respect people who made choices differently than I had the freedoms to make. They may not have had the freedoms to make. Does that make sense? We have to respect each other, especially if we don't understand the choices the other person's making. Does that make sense? So as we think about respect, what I want to see is I want to see us move uh, from the household into the church, into the community with this strong attitude of respect for other people. And what is it that I really mean? It's pretty simple. I want you and me to see people as God sees them. That's what respect is. Respect is, here's a guy that God put on this planet. God put them and he brought them into this world. God loved this person so much. He put his son on a cross for that person. I I can't stand him, but God loves him. So I'm going to respect him. I'm going to treat him with dignity. I'm going to give him all the honor that I can. This isn't easy. This is not easy. I am not saying, just go home and do this. I think this is so hard, you need the Holy Spirit to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, don't, you need the Holy Spirit to, to love your husbands, ladies? Men, don't you need the Holy Spirit to love your wives? Parents, don't you need the Holy Spirit to, to really take care of and nurture and instruct your kids? Don't we need the Holy Spirit to help us honor and respect each other in the body? So it shouldn't surprise us that we need the Holy Spirit to relate to political officials, bureaucrats that we have to work under and deal with in our different fields and careers, politics that affect us from far away. You see, we can act with respect. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what the world does. If you read the history of Christianity, a lot of us died respecting the people who killed us that's been our history and it's not going to change because we're not from here you need to understand something I know you're like is he ever going to be done this has been painful <laughs> we'll see the worst thing that can happen to you in this life is that they can send you to meet Jesus the worst thing they can do to me is send me home that's right. I don't know about you but I'm kind of ready to go So there's no reason to fear. I don't have to give out of fear. I can step forward in faith. And I can give you respect and honor. I can start in my home. I can honor and love my wife. I can can nurture and I can instruct my children. I can love this church and respect every leader in it and help them succeed. I can help the mayor, the county commissioners. I can help them too. And those who work in all the different entities that serve our city, they can all be treated with honor and respect because there's a passage that when when Israel got taken away from their homeland, they got sent to Babylon. Here's what Jeremiah wrote to them. And I think this is very instructive for people from a place living in a hostile environment. Because that's what Israel was, and here's what Jeremiah said. He said, work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. This is what makes the Ecclesia so powerful because we know we're not here just for ourselves. We're not here just to have a monument to our faith. We're here to help this city get stronger, to build it and to make it more powerful and more free. That's what we're here to do. And we have to see that our church is not just our religion and faith that we practice. It's where we come to get encouraged to go out and build this community. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads. Worship team, if I could have you. Father God, we need help with this. I I need help with this. I can't speak for the whole room. I need help with this. I struggle. I struggle with honoring people that I feel very, very dark feelings toward. And so I ask that you would help us to learn to be respectful, but also at the same time to learn to tell the truth. Lord I know I don't know that there's a balance here I think those are just two realities. So I pray that you would teach us this. I pray for those marriages that are struggling today and they're struggling in the areas of love and respect and they're relating to each other in ways that are not respectful and are causing harm to their relationship, their marriage and their families that are their marriages in such a way right now that it is not giving a good message about Jesus and the church and the church and Jesus. I pray that you would help them. I pray that they would seek prayer. I pray that you'd set them free. I pray, Father, for these parents. Lord God, I just pray that you help them rise up to the challenge of instruction. I know it's not easy. I know that life is full, but I know this is critically, critically important because, Lord, I want to see our parents succeed, our children succeed. I want to see our schools succeed. And Father, I pray that you would help us to send champions into our school systems that are going to help that happen. And Lord, I pray for this community. I love this city. I love Green River, this county, everything around us, this wonderful state. I love it. I thank you for it, and I pray, God, that you would bless our officials. I pray you'd bless those who are in charge of different areas that have been granted power, and I pray, dear God, that you would help us to help them succeed, but also help us to have the courage to tell them the truth. So, Lord, I pray that you help us today to be the kind of church that hasn't been seen in a long time, one that loves the city that it lives in radically. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.